Melody Asani. I'm Julie Burns Walker. Today, we welcome you back to the Butterfly Forecast. Smooshy. Hi, Smooshy. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really good. I've been holding my own. Mm, you're good in a holding your own kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when the rest of the planet doesn't come along, what can you do but hold your that own space? That means you've been going through some stuff, but you're, you're still together. <laughs> I'm still standing. Apart. All five foot two of me. <laughs> you know, I was reflecting lately on how time has gone by so strangely, particularly I feel like, you know, when you start contemplating something and noticing little things and noticing certain news trends that keep coming back and social trends and behavioral trends that keep coming back, that that catches my attention. Does that catch your attention? Is that what you start to look at? Or do you stay very much in the present, like, oh, this is just the news for today? Mm, tell me more. What am I getting at? <laughs> it, yeah, it feels like it feels like the news has been so crazy for so long. That's why I like to separate it into patterns. Mm. That's why I look like to look at the difference between a reoccurring pattern that might have to do with a local pattern or a national pattern or a cultural pattern or just a trend, like something that's just on trend right now, but it'll disappear. Because I want to know, with so many things falling apart simultaneously, I still want to be responsible. So I still want to know, am I supposed to pay particular attention to this? Just like I've noticed friends, family members, very much focus on specific issues, could be like the upcoming abortion uh, laws and, and how many states are going to change around it. And, you know, so many responses to injustices and lawlessness where I am is really a very common trend. You know, it has increased lawlessness in general, a random lawlessness and so on. You know, there's a lot of things, obviously, in the national and international news that even take far more precedence and have more ramifications in terms of our future. And that is why I start to notice what if all these things are happening simultaneously, like life on earth seems to have lost its progress towards the consciousness of a population of a species where the majority consciousness is about progress, whether it's creating safety or justice or elevating opportunities. Wait, so you're saying that watching the news is, is actually not elevating progress? No, I'm saying you have to pick and choose about where you as a human being, we can't just watch. If we're just watchers, how are we participating? But if we watch right. to be informed then what do we want to do with the information? And, and that's this theme that I was wondering how you felt. Because there isn't a single conversation that I've entered with someone where 
they are not getting my attention about things that they are specifically interested in, things that caught their attention. And typically what will happen is they'll repeat the same story over and over, like I maybe missed something about it, or I'm not understanding the gravity of the impact or the, you know, so they'll say, do you understand what this means? That's usually what comes later in the conversation. Do you hear that as well? Mm, No. Really? Well, you have a different practice. So I think people come to you with things like that. I I don't. (laughs) I mean, I'll get things like if it's particular to me, like, for example, you know, what's happening in Iran right now with Mahsa Amini, who was murdered for, you know, by the hijab police. I got several texts from Iranian friends saying, what are we going to do about this? Yes, that's what I mean. Because it's like we are, you know, we are the Iranians that made it out of Iran and we're the free ones. So how do we give voice to the women that are still there? Like, what do we do about this? Yes, especially that we are talking about the same thing. Okay. We're talking about when you hear something, when does it attune you to action? Mm. When is it more than news? It's not those people over there dealing with this. What are we going to do? Yeah. Well, I feel like that's why the news is so, for a lot of people, it's so tiring because oftentimes what I've experienced through discussions with friends of mine is that it's like, what can we do? Not only what are we going to do, but it's like all this is happening and you kind of feel helpless to it. You know, it's like, okay, it's happening And maybe I could do some little things here and there. Maybe I could pray about it. Maybe I could volunteer or spread information about it or get the word out or post on social media. But I think the question we all ask ourselves is, is that helpful? What is the real driver of change and what actually helps? Because I've also talked with a lot of my friends about performative activism. You know, it's like a lot of people on social media feel like, okay, now that I've posted about it, I've done my job. There's nothing I could do beyond that. And it's like, well, really? And then there's other people that are really quiet on social media, but are on the front lines doing stuff. So it's layered. And also with so much flagrant disintegration going on, like in ideologies, and politics, leadership in general, systems. There's just such a steady disintegration process. In a way, does it matter if people are willing to use their energy, whatever kind of energy and awareness they do have, and are willing to bring change? I mean, that's meritorious, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful, even if it's performative, maybe that person never had to do anything. Maybe they're, they, they don't need to. They've got everything they will ever need, and they arose anyway, albeit not in an altruistic way. I'm still thankful. For sure. I agree. I think where what I don't like is this culture of feeling like you're the one that can judge because there's a lot of people that are just like pointing their fingers at everybody else around them like, why isn't anybody else doing this? Why aren't you posting about this? Why are you, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. 
And it's like, focus on your, stay in your lane, focus on yourself. You do it. Yes. You know, whatever it is that you want to do, you do that. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. You don't know what they're doing, where they're doing it or how they're doing it. Or what they're enduring right now. Maybe this isn't a time for doing at all outside yourself. Exactly. And so focus on the people that you do know are doing it and collaborate with them and focus on yourself. I think that's really important. I love what you just said about just moving away from judgment, period. You know, I share with you fairly often that we've created, particularly here in the U.S., a culture of critics. If we were going to talk about what American culture is, we have just become a culture of critics because we're watchers. The thing is, usually the biggest critics are people who do the least. And usually people who do the most don't have time to criticize others Mm -hmm. because you're on the front lines and you know the one thing you need on the front lines of whatever field you're in or wherever your attention is where you want to make the world better. You just notice how few of you there really are. That's what you notice. So you don't have time to criticize others. And that's why even just a person volunteering one day when they didn't have to volunteer any days, you're just forever going to remember them. It makes a big difference. And so that's kind of this theme I wanted to talk about, like particularly With all the disintegration happening, I would say that's the greatest theme of any theme that people are talking to me both professionally about, but also personally, friends and family. The the shock, they're re-addressing the shock every day. Can you believe this now happened? Oh, can you believe that happened? Can you believe that person did this? We're starting to become primed for the next thing, you know, when's the next shoe going to drop? And then that's becoming the theme. And what I was reflecting on is like, what do we want life to look like from here? Let's just say we understand that we're in a really powerful wave of destruction. We're living a wave of destruction as a species. This very much models like what I saw in my near-death experiences. We are disintegrating as a species. Now, then I guess it's time to ask ourselves individually and collectively, what do we want life to look like from here? Because we can't do anything about how we got here. But we could actually plan a consciousness, a footprint, a commitment, perhaps just lack of criticism. The hypnotherapist... Dr. Giles, he talks about creating a surge in the field of energy around you of optimism. It's like feeding the field. He talks about how when we we take care of ourselves and get into a contemplative state of mind, awareness, any kind of consciousness raising, we feed the field of everyone around us. It's such a beautiful awareness. So why don't we just start where it's small and doable? And then we don't have to keep rehearsing trauma by talking about nothing but trauma instead of talking about, this is what I did today. 
if there's another tragedy, I'm going to donate to the Animal Welfare Society, to these, to this group of people, or to this person. Why am I going to do that? Because I want to change the energy around it. It's a very doable thing. Or maybe this time, after I hear about something else that makes me feel disempowered, or even lethargic, I'm going to look for a group that's really animated. Maybe I can join forces with them. But I think the point is, why don't we stop looking at everything and start looking at the one thing that's in front of us? Mm-hmm. If that's what you want life to look like. Because otherwise, we're painting the story of life by default, by just not. Yeah, by just observing, being observers and being like, well, I guess this is what's happening to us. Versus yeah. being like, wait, what can we do? Well, a couple things. I think that we don't believe There's a part of us, there's like this kind of collective like gloom and doom sort of feeling around things where it's like, well, that's just what it is. And then I also think that we don't have a lot of reference or experience with what creates change or what, you know, what will help. I think that we're looking for, we're very result oriented in a very different way. You know, everything is like has to be counted and measured or it's not the kind of thing where, you know, you're saying like, maybe I'll donate and change the energy around it. I don't think people think that that's going to make a change or that's going to do anything. Maybe some people do, but I, I don't feel like a lot of people have found for them. Maybe they were not attuned enough to ourselves to know for us what works or what will create some kind of change. And then if it does, I think that there's this lingering small voice in our head that's like, well, is this really doing anything? Is this really helping? Well, Smooshy, yeah. We're we're so accustomed to change happening from the top down. Yes. We are not accustomed to being responsible from the grassroots up for the way life is. We keep wanting other people, people with specific ideologies that blend with ours, but we didn't build it ourselves. We just want it to be there for us. It's a kind of human entitlement. So that's why I'm asking the question, what would it look like? Do you think that it's a very far away time when we can get responsible by just simply being responsible for the time we are here? For the time I am here, I will be altruistic. In this way, And in that way, because it's meaningful to me, I can work with a goodwill group or I can get involved in educating those who don't have the opportunity to offer more manpower. You know, our highest resource is each other. Our greatest resource is just one another. And that's the problem. We don't value that. Yeah. Well, also, I feel like we need to be led. And... And then on top of being led, you need to be open. Like, for example, during these last like few years, we started this program in Watts or we helped to start this program in, in Watts in L.A. And I told some friends about it and they told some friends about it. And then it got to the point where we had too many volunteers, like so many people wanted to be of service. 
And I was just like, wow, there is no shortage of people that want to be involved, that want to help, that want to do something, want to make a difference, want to build community, but they won't do it unless somebody guides them there or asks them or accompanies them. It's got to sort of be, it's not something I, I don't think people go out of their way Except for during the pandemic, at the height of the pandemic, I feel like people were going out of their way because they were so, you know, we were, the world was in such a dire place. You just felt like you had to, you know, roll your sleeves up and get on the ground somewhere, get out of the house, do something. Yes, because then it became bite-sized, practical, realistic steps. In the context of no choice, that was an easy choice to make. Exactly. But if you have multiple choices, if you're like, I'm going to go to this pool party this weekend, or, you know. Yeah, or it's not officially a pandemic. And so, although, as you and I both know, many friends keep getting COVID over and over and over again, and they've done everything precautionary. And they still are, are getting it. So that creates kind of a malaise about everything. You know, why should I go out and risk getting that again? Or I'm just tired of not feeling well. Maybe I'll just sit this out. And then how long is that okay? How long do you sit out when you don't have a definitive timeline in front of you saying, don't worry, it's just going to be another three months and then we're out of this. See, I think that it's revealing our just what you're articulating. Our weak spot is that we want to be led. And as admirable as it is to find a noble leader, it also is equally dangerous because it implies we cannot think for ourselves and make decisions based on sound action for growth, for change, for positivity. You know, nothing is too small a change. Just people don't feel like they're amongst uh, even going outdoors necessarily a positive response to their existence. Wow. If you don't feel like you can go out in the street and feel safe, then a little positivity goes a long way. So there's so many lines of action is my point. And no leader can lead you into the place where we are really disconnected and lacking, which is for a sense of altruism, a sense of purpose, a sense of spiritual and moral placement. Like, I know what I'm doing that enhances life today and every day. At least I know if I live this way, I'll make life better for the people around me. Maybe it doesn't make a political statement but I think the reason we're so concerned about that is because too many things have been publicized. The publicity of our beliefs rather than living our beliefs. What do you mean? So you used to hear like coined phrases about America, American spirit, American know-how. It was really based on where we came from, a concept of what we are about as a population culture. Well, that's not exhibited anymore. Mm. And so 
we are lacking in that very thing. So are we going to wait till there's another movement or perhaps a movement that's cultivated from fear? You know, that's where most of our despots came from when populations no longer thought for themselves and followed the voice from fear. That's what feels like is happening now. And that's why I, I say, let's start looking at the future we want to live. Let's take it from here. And let's not wait to be led, you know. Let's be leaders in our own spheres of life and work together. What a different concept of leadership that is. You know, it's a, it's a difference between absolute uh, rulership and looking at all the various types of like a monarchy, but you also have the balance, you know, you still have the voice of the people and parliament and, you know, democracies and many, there's many styles that work, but the point is you have to work together. And right now, what we're seeing is individualism, even in our own government, there isn't a unified voice. We don't really have leadership. So that's why, you know, rather than everyone continue to be alarmed about it and notify everyone how alarmed they are and how bad we are, we know how bad it is. But perhaps this is a wonderful time to look at the future and start to work in the possibility of like-mindedness. We all want to prosper. We all want to be safe. We all want justice. So how do, how do we achieve a critical mass with this when we need to do this? Like, because you said, as you said, that, you know, everything previously has come from the top down. We can't rely on anything coming from the top down anymore. Our governments are compromised. We've seen what's out there. We see what's happening with the media, with everything. So if it's going to be a movement that's going to start from the people up, from the ground up, how does that hit critical mass? Is it something that's just going to be isolated and then like neighborhoods here and there? Or is it going to be something that leads into a bigger movement? Like, what is it? How does that work? Because I don't think we have, do we have reference for that? No, we have no frame of reference for it because we have never in history had a time when we were aware of what was going on all over the planet simultaneously you know, where we were all informed and had that, as well as observed the dissatisfaction with leadership everywhere mm -hmm. and enormous theme running through that is that we've never made equality for all. We, we've never done that. We've never considered the human resources as the planet as the most valuable resources. And then taking a look at all the resources we have as well as what we could cultivate. In other words, we've never thought as a unified body. Right. But for example, what's happening in Iran, just because it's on my mind, is there's a huge movement happening there. Yes. And there have been huge movements happening there for years where Different groups of people, whether it was first it was students, you know, like 10 years ago, where they there was like a huge uprising of students. And now the women, which is really incredible, it's like a huge movement of women that are really not satisfied with the injustice of what's happening. 
But every time I feel like something like this happens in any country, it just kind of it rises up. Like even in the U.S., we had those big women's marches and there was all this energy around it. And then it just kind of fizzles away and nothing really gets implemented or changed. Well, consciousness does change in small steps. And maybe what you're asking about is what's going to make like a wave like a tidal wave yeah. that affects a planetary policy. And I think, first of all, we have yet to feel enough pain to understand that all of these quakes amongst us in our governments and the inequalities that are rising to the surface, we're still not addressing them planetarily. So, for example... As you were just citing what's happening in Iran today, but never in Iran has there been a spontaneous response by so many women. Because it affects not just those women, it affects all women. And it affects the future of women. And it affects the, all the little girls. And it affects all the little boys who all treat girls in the way that they see their fathers patterning for them. Now we have a chance to see that exhibited. Do we wish to learn from it globally? Or are we going to still make it those people in Iran instead of us humans? When are we going to treat women in this way where there's, there's no sort of kind of equal? Women have the right to choose how they are treated. And it must be with respect in regards to our health and our bodies and our futures. In other words, females have free will too to choose what is right for them. And we don't have that globally in so many places. So this uprising could be an instigator of change globally. But Sushi, what is in the way of that is us and them thinking. So that's true about everything that happens at a crisis. A crisis might spur our compassion appropriately. You know, thank God humans have endless capacity for compassion. But change requires that compassion to be linked to a personal decision, which is, I am no longer going to be quiet about this. And then number two, any opportunity I have I will then become an active change agent towards this end. In other words, this is now part of my purpose. Until people claim it as their actual purpose, what are we doing? We're watching. Yeah. Well, also just, it's funny because when I posted about Massa in Iran, when that happened, it made me think of the abortion ban here. And I was like, well, of course, it makes sense. Like if in a free country like the U.S., where we're the supposed leader of the free world and so much of the world looks at us for, you know, we seem to set the trend for so much. It's like if we're regulating women's bodies here and we're implementing that kind of thing, then it's that's going to ripple through the rest of the world in even worse ways. Like other countries are going to start enforcing laws against women, especially in countries where women are really at a disadvantage, where they're policed even harder or whatever, it's going to have different 
sorts of effects in other places in worse ways. And so I, I just kind of talked about that a little bit. And so many people didn't understand the connection. Right. Exactly. We're still creating separation when there is none. And for example, even the hypocrisy of the United States taking back the progress we had made and the advancement in the equality of women's rights is also reverberated around the world. It affects international relations, the way we are viewed, the way we are understood. So when we haven't dealt with it at home, it becomes an international problem. Now, we don't have the right to criticize any nation and how they handle things. So I do think, uh, yet again, first of all, universal rights are universal rights. Whether they are upheld or not doesn't change the fact that they are rights. Mm -hmm. So if we've gone that far back in our devolution, where we still don't know that we males and females are equal, then we're going to repeat a lot of things that have happened historically. A lot of unrest is going to be felt in so many ways because you can't get smaller than what creates a species. But I also want to say, since she putting that suspended in air is where we are. You know, all you and I have been doing is articulating just a tiny sampling of what's fallen apart, what it looks like, this deterioration process. But I think we mustn't forget that great things can happen with small movements. Great things. That's the whole point of our podcast. Yeah. Isn't it so interesting that this year we dedicated to quest for world peace? What could lead to world peace more comprehensively than the equality of men and women? Hmm. If that power were equal everywhere, we would be implementing very different laws, different regulations, different allocations with our uh, responsibilities and resources, and we would see a change. We would see many changes. But because it's not happening currently, I also notice that people are moving towards thought leaders and individual. Mm. And that's because we have no leadership. So we're looking for inspiration. In the midst of many cycles in history, we have wisdom that has surfaced from individuals. I was thinking about um, Chief Seattle uh, talking about his prophecies about this very time. And he kind of chronicled his prophecies about the time when people would create flying machines of metal, he depicted as so interesting, like before the industrial age, talking about the machinery would replace our growth uh, on our own properties. Machinery would provide our foods. He started to categorize and catalog the areas of change and what they would specifically look like. And um, also about behaviors. And one of the things he said is that Due to this age of machines and talking about technology, that life itself would go too fast mm. and people would become disconnected and confused. And his prophecy came with this recommendation and warning. He said, when time itself will have sped up, we must slow down. 
Mm. How? Well, Smishi, I mean, right now we're living in an era where I've never heard more thought leaders talk about slowing down in Harvard Business <laughs> School. You know, I, the, the sources are coming from not uh, quote unquote alternative knowledge sources. They're coming from mainstream medicine. Uh, cardiologists are recommending we slow down, take time. Chinese medicine, which has been around for thousands of years, is also talking about the very same thing about the five elements and the human body being governed by basic elements and that one, one is out of balance. The whole body gets ill and we become vulnerable to viruses and bacterias and all kinds of things, everything we're experiencing today. So isn't it interesting that the building of ideologies, governments, and businesses have been entirely on a Western model, and yet the sources of wisdom don't come from those models? At all. And it's so masculine. It's funny, I was listening to this podcast the other day, and... They were talking about the germ theory with in regards to COVID. And the one guy was arguing that as long as you're clean on the inside, that you shouldn't get sick. As long as you're eating clean and you shouldn't be able to be a host for any kind of virus. And I was like, yeah, but what if you didn't sleep that night, like the night before? Right. <laughs> or And you eat perfectly clean or... What if you are emotionally vulnerable, like you got sad or hurt, and then you, your body becomes vulnerable, and it's easier to get sick that way? I mean, I know for me, if I don't get enough sleep one night, the next morning, I have to be really careful because I know I'm vulnerable to getting sick. Mm -hmm. Or even if I'm going through something really hard, like if I'm emotionally vulnerable, I know that I'm I've, I'm leaving myself more open to getting viruses or whatever because I'm I don't have my I'm not inhabiting my whole self the way that I usually do. In other words, if we're not aware of what is a self, then we don't know what it looks like to be out of balance with a self. So you can't really just approach it from one single right. paradigm because it it's not effective. I think that's so true what you're saying. And that's what we're exploring right now because we have to. And that's because the main source of guidance is omitting all the other realities and aspects that make a whole healthy human being. Not only is it true in our physical body, like you're talking about our nutrition and then also being clean on the inside, our microbiome and, you know, making sure we take probiotics for healthy bacteria so <laughs> that the unhealthy bacteria doesn't dominate and proliferate. We're, we're learning about these things. We're also learning that we are more than that. And that man's reality is his thought also has power so that we have to be aware of our frame of mind because what you think about changes your neurochemistry and your neurochemistry changes your hormonal constellations and your hormones change the rest of your chemistry. So everything affects everything, basically. If only we would apply that again to the bigger areas of health in the body of 
humanity. So wherever we get our lessons, you know, we're starting to get inspired by more instead of less. The answer and the wisdom isn't go back to what we did before. The wisdom is let's collect all the knowledge we can collect and see what we can do with that. See what we can transform out of this. You know, Sushi, uh, another little thing this reminds me of is how many great individuals, if we read history books, how many incredibly inspiring individuals, not groups, we have at the worst of times. And in times when there's a lot of ignorance, when ignorance is rife, and when people are disconnected from themselves, maybe due to a great deal of poor leadership, even in terms of military behavior, I love how in truly one of the worst times in Rome, the Emperor Marcus Aurelius was one of the very first emperors ever, not just at his era, but since, who, because things were so hard on every border, they had famine, they had wars at every single border, they had disease, they had pestilence, literally everything, a drought. (laughs) And in such a time, he did a very interesting thing. His wife, he made his consultation cohort. He brought her basically to where all the policy decisions were made. He wrote, he left a a beautiful journal behind and it's been published. It's really inspiring and it reveals his humility. And he also made his nephew his co-emperor, not vice-emperor, but co-emperor gave him equal power because there were too many problems and there needed to be more leadership. And he had first asked his son, but he knew his son had no interest. So his son turned it down. And he knew then it would be then respectful to his son to then go to his nephew who had the aptitude for leadership. And so isn't it interesting? He uses the feminine, his own wife, to be his confidant. He said she gave unnearing, unerring guidance. And then he also had his nephew. And the other thing he did, which was a military first, is he always rode at the front of the lines hmm. whenever there was war. He never rode at the back. So I think such a beautiful model for leadership when everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And so perhaps we need to think of ourselves in those ways. It hadn't been modeled before. So we're not feeling that we have a model to follow. Perhaps it's the greatest blessing history has ever known if we take the opportunity. Well, Sushi, I hope we do. And I hope this conversation percolates lots of other conversations with people about how they can feel more empowered and and more so in the driver's seat rather than a victim of what's happening in the world or a standbyer. You're good at that, Smishi. I think you do enter conversations like this quite a bit. I think you always elevate conversations with groups and friends and in your workplace. Um, Are you consciously doing it or is it just something you naturally gravitate towards? I think it helps me. It's like my own way of processing 
just kind of gauging what's around or maybe feeling like who's like-minded with me, who's not, like where are people at? It just makes me feel better to talk about it. Yeah, me too. Well, Sushi, we sure have been in that the heavy zone today. Thanks, Mushi. Sometimes you got to swim deep. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, Sushi, thank you for sharing this planet with me. <laughs> Thanks, Mushi. Same, same. You make the world a sweeter place. You do too. All right, Sushi, until our next installment. <laughs> <laughs> Butterfly forecast, the next report. <laughs> And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. 